0: today's 1980s sci-fi classic, small town California teen Marty McFly is thrown back into the 50s when an experiment by his eccentric scientist friend Doc Brown goes awry. Travelling through time in a modified DeLorean, Marty encounters young versions of his parents and must make sure they fall in love or he'll cease to exist. Today on Soundtrack, let's go back to the future.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Soundtrack. You're hearing from Mick and
0: his best mate, Liam. Hello. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the first episode. We're very excited, aren't we, Mick? We are pumped. Um,
1: This is not only a passion of ours, but a way for us to keep connected, I guess. All
0: right? Keep talking to each other. Absolutely, absolutely. We're always connected in my heart, but um, you forgot that connection. But we um, we can now be actually connected via uh, Zoom or Skype or any range of video conferencing software, and we can now have something that keeps us even closer, which is this podcast, which I absolutely love.
1: Oh, I can't wait to, to kick off our first one. What are we doing today? Are we doing? We've decided for the first episode, since we can't get listener requests in, to choose a film that we love, and it's got some Mm -hmm. amazing music in it, Mm -hmm. and it's, you would have guessed from the intro song, it's Back to the Future, an 80s classic, follows the adventures of Marty McFly, your average Mm. teenager who's skateboarding, late to school, whose mate Happens to be, uh, I don't know, what fifty or sixty-year-old uh, scientist. So that not not uh, your, your sort of typical friendship for a teenager to have, but somehow they're best mates. And he accidentally gets sent back to nineteen fifty-five from eighty from nineteen eighty-five, and unfortunately, he stops his. Well, at that point. They don't know each other. or well, they do. They're in the same class, but he accidentally stops his parents from falling in love Yep, and uh, has to go about resolving that or he will no longer exist in the future. Um, so, well, a bit of a spin out. It was a film that uh, lots of different um, producers sort of turned away. There were a few there that thought it was a bit too risque, the fact that he ends up trying to stop his mum from kissing him years in the in the past so lots of yep. lots of uh, studios weren't willing to go with it but thankfully after multiple attempts they got it off the ground and thank god they did because it's an absolute classic and um definitely my, my number in my number well
0: it's probably my number one movie of all time i gotta say number At one least the top three what? Number one, it's definitely your top three. We know that. It's it's my number one. It's been my number one for many years and I'm going to keep it as my number one, I think, forever. My number two and three are a little bit different and I'll just throw those out to you just so you get a bit of an understanding of who I am. Um, my number two is actually Back to the Future 2, um, but my number <laughs> three is a little bit left of centre. You might, mm. I, I might throw you a little bit. Um, Back to the Future 3. That that no, rounds out my right. three. So yes, top three movies are the entire Back to the Future trilogy. So you can probably tell already that I'm a little bit excited for this one. I
1: thought you were going to go with the piano, but you, you went left field there with Back to Future Three. And <laughs> are they in that order?
0: They're Did in that say order. One,
1: actually, two, yes. Three? Yep.
0: Yep, they're in that order. When I was a kid, remember, they used to show Back to the Future 2 a lot. They still do, I think. Channel 10 used to love it. Yeah. Back to the Future 2 was nearly on every single Saturday night. So that was very popular, but then when I started to look at them a bit mm. more, I realized that they that the order of the movies is the order of my top 3. So that works out in which well. they arrived. Back to the Future
1: 2 has so much in from Back to the Future 1 in it. So if you watch 2, you kind of get half of 1 in it, which I don't know. I, I might if I if I'm ranking mine, I'm probably going one, then three, then two. Is that outrageous? I'm sorry, but I that love is Western.
0: That, that is outrageous. That is you do love westerns. That that is outrageous. But it's okay. Anything's allowed on the soundtrack. That's perfectly fine. It's all subjective. It's all subjective. You're fine. You're fine.
1: Well, a little. Uh, I, I thought it might be worthwhile to um, to go through some stuff that some facts, right? That not everyone sort of knows. The first uh, people who are into Back to the Future would know. That Marty McFly was going to be played by someone else wasn't um, yes. Michael J. Fox. Now we probably can't even imagine the movie without him in that role. What a legend! Mm. Um, mm. But Eric Stoltz was cast first, and they spent millions of dollars redoing the scenes with Michael J. Fox after they kicked him off the show. Apparently, Stoltz or Stolzy, if you want to call him Stoltzy, um was was him. asking everybody to to call him. Marty McFly around the set because he was a method actor, so he really got nice. into the part. But it was a bit too intense. But but most Back to the Future geeks will know that that happened. And actually, there's a couple of scenes where you can see the back of Eric Stoltz in some scenes. They didn't need to redo them; they just left them. But oh, really? Um, yeah, he's in there. I think in the milk bar scene, it's actually Stoltz right. in there. It's not. But but the lesser known. Uh, I was sort of doing a bit of digging because I was thinking uh oh, you know lots of people are going to know that That's not going to be that interesting. Um, who could have actually played Dr. Emmett Brown? Now, I think this is I even think though, I, uh, I think I know one I think I know one the but you go you go. Yeah, go go go. Well no, you tell me. You tell me who you think was in line for the for the role because I can I can't think of like like Michael J Fox or Marty McFly. I can't think of anybody else.
0: No, um, no. Right, Neither so, can I. There, I. I do know one that I think I've read, but I only know one name. Can I tell you what that is? Throw it out there. Yeah, go. The one name that I have heard is John Lithgow. Is that right?
1: Yeah, he was in there. He was absolutely in there. there was, I, I got my hands on a, I got my hands on a casting, um, a document that was put together by some casting guy who had actually circled
0: wow. and ticked. You went to Los names. Angeles. You went to Universal Studios. You, yeah, I got there. What have you done? What have you done? You've broken in. You've broken felonies. in, and I
1: found their their you, documents.
0: You've found it. You've broken it. You've kicked their cabinet I, open, and you've found a document. <laughs>
1: I literally have their shortlist, and
0: <laughs> here's here's some of the names. Actually,
1: when you think about it, some of them seem pretty good and relevant. So, Jeff Goldblum was in there. He was he was shortlisted. Mm. Whoa. Now that would have been interesting. Uh, I'm kind of thinking of his role in The Fly. You know that he was a mad, yeah, he was a mad scientist in that one. So they probably looked at that role. Um, he's
0: always a, Harold he's always Ramis Ian to me. Yeah, go. Okay. Oh, Wow. <laughs> Harold
1: Ramis. He's got the. Um, he's got,
0: the hair. He, he got yeah. the hair.
1: This is a funny. A little one. bit wild. Yeah. Yeah. Randy Quaid <laughs> 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 from uh, Christmas Vacation.
0: Then it was full. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mr. Fusion was full. John Cleese. Oh, <laughs> From come on. Towers. Now we're now we're getting we're getting crazy down. And then the
1: last one that I saw that I thought was interesting was Gene Hackman was in there as well with a go. <laughs> Gene wow. Hackman would have been funny. He would have been that a really intense Doctor Brown.
0: He would have been. He would have been. You wouldn't want to mess. Strickland wouldn't want to mess with him.
1: No, exactly. Totally <laughs> different. But Christopher Lloyd, I mean, come on. Like he's that is just oh, who he is. Like he probably yeah. has played other characters and I know he's in the Adams family and a few other things, but he just mm, couldn't get away yeah. from
0: that that role. No, just, that's him. no, no, no. He's always he's going always gonna be tied to that. And so he should. I mean, it's such an iconic role. and he, he was absolutely perfect for it.
1: And then there was a couple of others that were in the shortlist for um, Marty McFly, and these are quite funny: Johnny Depp, no. um, and uh, Ralph Macchio from Karate Kid. Whoa,
0: okay, young, yeah, young kind of around the I'm same time. Karate kid, Karate kid was the year before that, and yeah, I, I kind of mm. get that. Yeah, a bit of a baby face kind of kid. No, it just would have been a totally different
1: movie. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, I'm glad it all, it all came together like that. M- made it magic. They apparently the 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 rights of Back to the Future are owned by Robert Zemeckis, and is it Gale? Somebody, Gale? Mm, Bob, Bob Gale? Yeah, Bob, Bob Gale? Yeah, 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 yeah. So they've basically said when they're alive, there won't be a Back to the Future Four. Like they're keeping true to the oh, trilogy. Then fantastic, which. Which is awesome because look at all the crap that's
0: coming out. You know, the oh part man, they're part remaking, part they're making, yeah, everything. And I don't I can't just remember one that's good, I can't remember one that's decent. Mm. Um, Agree, a remake. So, yeah, I, I think that as long as I'm alive, I hope that they don't make a Back to the Future 4 because it really could ruin what, what I see as a perfect trilogy. You don't want to tarnish all right.
1: Like I know Indiana Jones and stuff, you can look back and go, you know, those first three were awesome and then they started to gradually go off. But oh the first three for me it's just it tarnishes the
0: originals because you kind of Mm. I don't
1: know. I don't like it.
0: Yeah. I agree. I don't like it either. And I don't want young kids getting on there and saying, Oh, I love back to the future and they don't you don't know back to the future Mm. like I know back to the future. Don't come in here with that. (laughs) Don't give me that. (laughs) Well, there was a cartoon that um I never watched oh, it. Oh yeah. Yeah, I've heard about the animated series, yeah. I don't know, I haven't seen it either. Apparently it's pretty good.
1: Yeah. I I would like to check it out, but then Rick and Morty obviously's come out and that's
0: yes, based, based on
1: the characters, yeah, yeah. which is funny. Yeah. Um and have I mentioned that we got to choose back to the future, but moving forward we're going to ask our listeners to to choose the films for us, I don't know whether I've mentioned that, but um,
0: you have mentioned that we've got a few in mind. Yeah, we've got a few in mind that we can come to because at the moment we don't have listeners. But, um, <laughs> but when we when we <laughs> <But> when we, <laughs> when, we when we acquire a few, then uh, which will mostly be our friends and family. Um, we probably have to do The Big Chill, which is my mum's favourite movie. We'll have to do that at some point because she'll be uh, tweeting us every second day. But um, but yeah, yeah, once we have a, a good collection of listeners, we will definitely, I think that's a great idea, see what the people want, see what's going to bring nostalgia back, see what they want more information about as far as movies and music. And, and we uh, yeah, we're happy to go with what, what people want for sure.
1: I reckon we could probably reel off about 15 without any help though. So if nobody tr- uh, sort of pipes up we've got a whole stack ready to roll. Um, I think that
0: that's probably a good idea. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I was going to see if I could stump you with something because I know that you, you're – I've actually found in the last few years, and I'll be honest, your Back to the Future trivia knowledge, just knowledge of the films has surpassed mine. I, I don't know what's happening. Well, happened, you, you, uh,
0: as we said in the trailer, we <laughs> – do know what's happening. You, you're definitely the movie guy. You know your movies a lot more than me. This is probably the only movie – where I where I know a lot about it, I don't know if I know more than you, but I certainly know a lot about it, which you do as well. But other movies, I think you would know a lot more about than me, which makes it quite good uh, considering that I that I like the music and I'm happy to bring in some some musical flair into the show. <laughs> 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 well, I was gonna, I was going to see if I
1: could get you with one. So okay, yep. try and tr- try and try and um, see if you can answer this right. So how ha- ha- okay, how many sure, scenes? How many scenes yep. in uh, Back to the Future mm-hmm. uh, are shared with mm-hmm. Dr. Emmett Brown and Lorraine McFly? Oh,
0: okay, okay. Lorraine, Lorraine. I'm going to say one.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're right. They literally shared one
0: scene in the whole movie. Can I tell you? The can mystery. I tell you the scene? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you? Tell yeah, yeah. Me, you tell, tell me. me the scene. No, no. no you, you tell me. Tell me no, you no, might know no it. You no. Well, I think it. I think the only time I was thinking very hard. I think the only time they actually yeah. only meet each other is when she's a young girl and she comes to visit Calvin yeah. Klein <laughs> in his <laughs> workshop. On.
1: Is that right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. She oh. she
1: follows Marty McFly home, and then they have that one
0: scene together, and that's it, which is hilarious. I think a man should be strong and stand up for the woman he loves.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I couldn't believe it, though. Mate, anyway, I thought that was really interesting when I looked at that.
0: Yeah, 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 definitely. Well, When I was thinking about it, I thought, oh, surely there's more. But then when I went through it, I thought, actually, no. Mm. Doc was always just kind of coaching in the background, wasn't he, making sure that he didn't look at anything, didn't touch anything, didn't see anything, didn't hear anything, because he didn't want to affect the future. And I actually think that goes for two and
1: three as well. I actually think that's, that goes for all of the movies. Uh, I, didn't, I haven't checked that, but I could be right. I, I don't think, I think that's the one scene in three films that
0: are gathering. Well, I don't think that, yeah, I don't think that he would have been in any uh, scenes with her in two or three. No. So that's it. But we might have to look that. Listeners, listeners, tweet us at soundtrack Guys on twitter at soundtrack guys is what you want to uh what to tweet us at and tell us uh lorraine and doc in any scenes together in back to future two and three i'm sure the tweets will be flooding through so i'll keep my phone close yep all
1: uh, right I, also, so I, I, wanted, I wanted to ask you i wanted to ask you one other question too because this whole film obviously starts to bring up questions around what you do if you had access to a time machine so you know obviously in back to the future it's delorean and they head back to the 1950s and then um, into the future, into 30 years into the future. So that's when it's 1985, taking the year 2015. Um, and then the, the Western era. But if you got your hands on the DeLorean and you had one shot at it, where would you go? What time would you go?
0: Oh, I would probably, I think I wouldn't go too far actually. I think that anywhere else is just too dangerous. I think there's just too much going on. Maybe, maybe some future stuff. But if you go too far back in history, there's just, there's just too much of a chance of of being killed. So I'm going to go, I would probably (laughs) just go back to the 80s. (laughs) <laughs> I think I'd go back and see what see what it was like to actually see this movie come out and see all the all of my favorite songs come out on the radio. I would probably want to go late 80s so I could um, no, not late 80s, early 80s. Hold on. I, th- I would want to go early 80s so a lot of the songs that came out in the mid and late 80s hadn't been written yet and I could do a bit of a like that movie yesterday and pretend the that The Beatles I'd movie.
1: Them. Mm. Smart. So I was yeah. thinking the same I was thinking myself and I came up with a very similar answer. So I was thinking you know get go back to sort of 1978 1979 and just stay there because mm. the the late 70s early 80s then through to the 80s and 90s were awesome. And it would have been great to be older in that time because we were so young at that time. So Definitely.
0: Well, yes, we were very very young. We were born I was born we were both born in 84.
1: Yeah. So we were mm. We were nothing then. We were nothing. were Nothing. Um, so, um, yep. Liam, I was thinking now, since this is a show about soundtracks, mm. I might, I might let you pick up on what were some of the songs you wanted to identify as top of the pops for this, for this one.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I love this soundtrack. I remember actually getting this soundtrack from a um, from a friend of mine at university. She worked in a CD shop. And I said to her, "Oh, I love Back to the Future. I want the soundtrack. Can you get it in? I think she ordered it in especially for me. The Back to the Future sound. You could get it anywhere now, but it was a CD back then. You can get it on iTunes and wherever, wherever you want now. But mm. it was an actual CD case back then. And she had to get it specially ordered into the CD shop that she worked at, whatever it was. And it was fantastic. Mm. And I don't. And I've been thinking about this recently, and I don't think I actually paid her." <laughs> I don't know what
1: happened, eh? <laughs> you still haven't sorted her out. I remember I, I remember re- seeing this in your in your house. Yeah. Oh, the the, yeah. the front the front cover and you were so proud of it you brought it out i was
0: really proud and i don't think it was easily accessible mm. here in australia to actually buy on cd i think she had to get it brought in from america or wherever mm. and mm. uh and i don't remember her name and i don't she'll probably be a <laughs> listener at some point i would assume as everyone will be so i'll say thank you to university person that i used to know uh, for getting that for me i still owe you 2099 2099 so cds haven't really
1: Sort of gone up too much. Well, what's a CD now? I mean, I don't I don't know if people are buying CDs
0: anymore. But people are they? No, people aren't buying. No, they're not. Absolutely not. um Well, some people are. Can you buy a CD? Not. Yeah, you can still buy CDs, but I don't think there are CD shops. But you can buy CDs. I don't know where or why you would. Where'd you get them from? Um, Kmart.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah. Anyway. I'm getting off track. Let me tell you some facts about it. So it was a 10-track album released on the 8th of July, 1985. Do you know, Mick, what date the movie was released in 1985 in America? You said that the CD was released 10th of July. 8th of July? Eighth, 8th of July, what,
1: sorry. Do you know what, so what the,
0: uh, date the movie was released?
1: So the film must have been released the same time? Third
0: of July. Of yes, July? very close. So third of July. Oh, wow. Five days later, the soundtrack was released, and it was it spent nineteen weeks on the Billboard 200, and it peaked at number twelve in October 1985. Mm. So very very popular. wow. That's now, pretty good for a soundtrack. It's amazing. It's very very good. It's very very good, and it, and I think the reason behind that was that the the song "The Power of Love" was released on that album. Uh, okay. So. Let's go through some of the tracks on this. It's ten tracks. The first one is our theme tune, "The Power of Love." The second one is "Time Bomb Town," which I'll talk about in a moment. The third was there were two um, orchestral scores that were actually culled from the the album. There was another album that was released later of the score of the just the the the, the, uh, the separately separately and two two that were culled from that which i think are a kind of collaboration of a lot of different parts of the movie were on this soundtrack as well so the third was was called back to the future the third track and it was by the by the outer Outer time orchestra um and then that was the name (laughs) given to the orchestra which was obviously named after the license plate of the delorean outer time and it was conducted by alan silvestri who composed other films that you might know such as who framed roger rabbit uh cast away and forrest gump as well
1: i was gonna say for um, that beautiful um
0: oh, do, do, yes. that a actually well my daughter does ballet and they did that for one of the songs in her ballet concert and my wife and i were weeping it was just fantastic <sighs> and i didn't realize at the time that it was Sylvestry, but now it all makes sense oh he knows how to excite us and how to he touch our hearts to excite, mm-hmm. he knows how to evoke now number four on the um album was heaven is one step away i'll talk about that in a sec number five is back in time number six was the back to the future overture overture again sorry by the um out of time orchestra number seven was a song called the wallflower dance with me henry by etta james now <laughs> I don't yeah, remember that one. You don't remember that? I'll put I'll put it on in a second. Um, and in 1955, that, it actually topped the Billboard R&B charts for four weeks in a row. And in 2008, Etta James actually received a Hall of Fame Grammy Award for that song. Um, wow. So okay. it's, you will once I play it, you'll you'll recognise it. So have a listen to this. Hey baby, what <laughs> <All> I <right, okay. laughs>
1: I'm familiar now, Nick. <laughs> Absolutely. So that's got to be the start of the uh, enchantment under the sea
0: dance. Pretty
1: much the first song you hear. Am I right?
0: No that that's a, that's the next track on the album. That song was actually playing in the in the cafe when he goes in and sees Ford McFly and Lorraine, and he tries to get him to go ah. in there and, and talk to her. And he says that he's her density. <laughs> See, you do know more than me about this movie.
1: I don't know when it happened, but it, it, you took over. Remember how many times we used to we used to um have like a few beers or whatever, and then that night we'd go instead of staying out late we'd go back and watch back in the future at like ten o'clock.
0: <laughs> yeah, we were really really cool
1: <laughs>
0: oh, man, anyway, I feel like doing that again, <laughs> okay, so got keep moving on number number 8 sorry yep. on the cd was the first song that you hear in enchantment of the sea dance which is night train Yeah, night train. You would have recognised from the start of the Enchantment Under the Sea dance. Um, also, which I'll talk about a little bit later. Which number nine on the track was Earth Angel. Will you be mine? And the last track on the album was Johnny, be good. And never heard of it. It's credited on the album. <laughs> <laughs> Don't believe you. No, the uh, the um, it's credited on the album and in the movie as Marty McFly as the singer. Right, and the last yeah. three, the last three songs on the album, uh, all involve the Starlighters, and they all, the two of them, Night Train and Earth Angel, are uh, by Marvin. They're credited as by Marvin Berry and the Starlighters, and then Johnny Be Good is credited as Marty McFly with the Starlighters. Um, now we know that Marvin Berry was actually played by Harry Waters Jr., who who did sing those, who did sing Earth Angel, so he provided the vocals there. We had a oh. couple of people that actually did Johnny Be Good, so. There was a guy called Mark Campbell and he was Marty's singing voice. They auditioned guys that had similar singing voices to Marty and and Mark Campbell was chosen. I looked up Mark Campbell and he now plays in a a soul and R&B band called Jack Mack and the Heart Attack. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I heard
0: about that. This, this as well. Have you heard about I mean, this? They did yes. so.
1: They did so well about matching his voice to
0: what Martin Flo oh, would have sounded like. You, yeah, I know. When you see so it, you good. don't think that it's that it's not at Michael J. Fox. Do no. you? you? You just think that no. he's singing it. So Mark Campbell was his singing voice, and and he, he
1: does so well actually playing the guitar. Like Michael J. Fox really practiced. I think the um, the hand movements so well that it's so believable. Like it's all the detail, you know, that makes the movie awesome.
0: Well, I'll, I've got a few facts about that, uh, that scene actually. So I can tell you a little bit about how he did that. Um, so the, the actual track for the guitar was provided by someone called Tim May, who's one of the best jazz guitarists of all time. He's collaborated with Frank Sinatra, Celine Dion, Tom Jones, Janet Jackson. So he's obviously very good. Um, mm. what I'll do is I'll play a little bit of Johnny Be Good so people know what we're talking about. And then, um, and then I'll go through a few more facts about the song, about that scene. Now, think back, think back, Michael, to this scene. There are a lot of interesting musical facts in this scene that I'm going to go through and facts about the song and about how how Michael J. Fox got into it. So um, it was actually composed and performed by Chuck Berry in March 1958, the song Johnny Goodwood. Now, the guitar, funnily enough, however, the guitar that Marty is actually playing in the movie wasn't invented in
1: 1955. Hmm.
0: Okay. Continuity error. That's okay. That's right. No, we won't. We won't dwell on that too long. Um, but Robert Zemeckis, he thought it looked cool, and he often saw photos of Chuck Berry playing the same sort of guitar. So even though it wasn't exactly invented in 1955, he still chose that guitar in the um, in the movie. So there you go. We won't go. We won't go into that. Um, now there was a guy called Paul Hanson. Do you know Paul Hanson? He's an he. he he's an actor in the movie. Actually, this is another. This is a little no. trivia question for you. Paul Hanson, never heard of him. You've never heard of him? No. Well, he was the bassist in The Pinheads. (laughs) (laughs) Is he a part of then Huey Lewis in the News? No, he's not. He's not. He's just a he's just a musician that was on set. He was the bassist in the Pinheads when they were auditioning for the school dance. But he was the actually he was the guy that tutored Michael J. Fox on how to play the guitar for the song, so it would match the track as much as possible. Yes, right. Okay.
1: So I thought I always thought that Huey Lewis was in the was the, in the crowd, and he's the one that says you're just too darn loud. Right. Yes. But I, yes. That's right. But I but I, I thought that the rest of his band were the Pinheads.
0: Is that wrong? I don't know. I don't. There may have been some some newses, some newsies, yeah, in the pinheads. That's we something else for pinhead. our
1: listeners to check that up. I reckon they could write in about that too if they find out. Because I thought that was always the case. I thought it was him and the he was playing one of the teachers, but the pinheads were the newsies. That's what I thought, anyway.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, you, you may be you may be right. And if anyone out there does know that, make sure you go to Twitter at Soundtrack Guys and tell us all about that if you know what we're talking about anyway so the way that the way that he taught him was he actually gave him a recording of himself playing the solo this paul Hanson gave michael j fox a recording of himself playing the solo at half speed so that and that michael j fox would listen to it in the car and he would listen to how it sounded and then he would show him the fingering and, and and show how it actually looked on the guitar um Now I saw, when I was looking up this, I saw a photo of him teaching Marty online, which was really cool, a photo from the 80s, and had a quote from Paul Hanson saying that 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 was a photo of them jamming at his house and Michael J. Fox had parked his Ferrari on the front lawn, (laughs) which he thought was very cool.
1: (laughs) So he already had a Ferrari. He was like 21 or something. Maybe he was like 22 or
0: something when Back to the Future was being um, filmed. That's nuts. And he was doing doing family ties at the same time, so he was obviously very (laughs) cashed up. Wow. Um, mm. Anyway, so now Paul Hansen actually had to teach two people how to play Johnny Be Good. Do you know who the other okay. one was?
1: Two people how to play Johnny Be Good. Mm. His stunt double? Nope. Okay, that's the best estimated guess I can give you. Who? <laughs> okay, Eric Stoltz. Oh, of course, <laughs> I, but I, I would have thought they never got to that scene. They must have filmed that scene early in, in the. I think the yeah, thing, I think they filmed
0: the that scene quite early. Yeah, I think I recall reading that they filmed it quite early in the in the whole thing. Um, so there you go. So Eric Stoltz as well. Um, so knowledge that he's got but never used on screen. Now, um, when Marvin, when Marvin, remember when Marvin went to make a call to his cousin, which apparently they did in one in one take. I read as well um, yeah. while he's doing that, Marty's imitating Chuck Berry's famous duck walk and he also, <laughs> during that solo imitates four other musicians while he's playing. do you want to give it a, you want to give it a go at who you think he might be imitating? Well definitely Akadaka's is in there um yes yes so he he twists around the lying down angus young yep 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 that's right what else
1: that's that's definitely akadaka um Mm -hmm. he does the he does the full circle guitar strumming bruce
0: springsteen action oh well the windmill and kicking the guitar amp over is actually pete townsend the who was pete yes very good very good I was going to say beat okay, down so. then again. Then, when you said the who, but then I realised you said the who. And <laughs> um, <laughs> um, there are two more. Okay. I'll give you. I'll, I'll tell you the action, and you tell me who you think uh, coined that that movement. Ready? So he taps the guitar mm. like ding 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 ding. taps the guitar with his finger.
1: Oh, okay. Jimi Hendrix. No. Okay.
0: No. Nah, also, gone. they also feature in the movie. This guitarist also features has a track in the movie, which was not on the album, and I'll talk about in a moment. Oh, Van Halen, very good. Yes, very Van Halen, and he also puts his guitar behind his head and plays the guitar behind his head, like. Did I say it already, oh, yeah. Jimi Hendrix? I already said it, Jimi Hendrix. Absolutely.
1: Yep, yeah, you got it. Um, so he basically does the melting pot of eighties musicians, which is so cool because nobody's seen any of the moves. So cool.
0: No, it was brilliant. It's brilliant. Um, it's just so lay- It's so layered. It's just so layered. Um, now, what, Now, I also looked online about people were trying to figure out what Chuck Berry himself think, thinks of the scene because um, apparently he's not one for interviews and he's not spoken about the movie publicly, but he has left a bit of a hint or two that he might be a bit of a fan. So, for example, at his 60th birthday concert in 1986, his backing band, which included Keith Richards, of course, as you do, just invite Keith in. <laughs> as you do. Um, as you do. They wore outfits exactly like the Starlighters. So <laughs> I thought you were going to say the Pinheads.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I reckon if we started a band, uh, though, we'd have to call ourselves the Pinheads.
0: Definitely oh, the Pinheads, that. for sure. <laughs> hey, Yeah, uh, we're the Pinheads. And the best part is that <laughs> Lewis shuts them down and they're playing his bloody song. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, ding, 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 ding. We just got right. to play
1: Power of Love. That's
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. too long,
1: lad.
0: Yeah. All right. Now, I've got a couple of, um I know you love your trivia and we both love the trivia and we're going to give each other questions and we want the listener to learn along with us. So this That's is right. for you listeners and also for Mick. Are you ready? I'm going to play a couple of songs for you. Yeah. And I want you to tell me where the song is featured in the movie. You ready? All right, cool. This will be fun. Here we go. Here's the first one.
1: (laughs) Okay. Is that not his alarm clock music when he wakes up in the middle of the night to go to the Twin Pines car park to meet Dr. Brown?
0: Very good. You're absolutely right, (laughs) Yep. That's exactly what it is. He wakes up. I want that as my alarm clock. Music, I have that as my alarm clock. That's what I wake up to in the morning, actually. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. but uh, yeah, no, you got it spot on. He wakes up to, and that's that's the song that comes on the radio on his alarm clock. Um, and that's number two on the soundtrack, which is called Time Bomb Town. Do you know who sings it? Oh, no, that's too hard. Oh, no, sorry. When I say the name, okay, that's all right. When I say the name of the of the of the person, you might be able to tell me what what band they were in. So the the Time Bomb Town singer is Lindsay Buckingham. Ah, oh, Fleetwood Mac. No way. That's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was that's doing awesome. okay. around, that, around that time. He was doing a lot of solo projects on the side. And that song, interesting fact about it, it was written for the movie as well. And he played every single instrument on the recording, except for the drums.
1: <laughs> at the same time. I've seen him play some music, which is ridiculous <laughs> I don't, when he plays spe- like literally is. when he literally plays like two different I don't know what the song is. he's playing two different um,
0: notes on one guitar. Is this on the oh dance? My. when the fleet would make the dance and he's playing um, What's that? Look Dun, do, at the love. Yeah, look at the love, the nights of steel. Yeah.
1: My, that's, like yeah. he literally plays two different keys. Like it's ridiculous. Anyway, yeah, so obviously not at the same time. But.
0: I don't, no, no. But, but yeah, this, so there's an interesting fact about it. Okay, so that's one of them. The next one is is trickier and is, isn't as prominent in the movie at all, but I want you to tell me where you think this might be.
1: So my best guess is this is at the end of the movie when he travels back from 1955 to back to the future to 1985, crashes into the cinema and and, and gets out of the car and he sees Red um, on the on the on the bench the bum yeah who was actually who yep. was actually Mayor Red
0: from 1955. Well, this is what this is what people think. This is what I've read a lot, but there are a lot of Back to the Future fans out there that don't think that it is. They think it's just looks it, like it. they think that's it's it. Bum, yeah. But I, <laughs> what,
1: I but but I, am, am I right? Is that when it, is that when the music's playing?
0: That's exactly when the music. Yeah, there's a little radio yeah. on the bench when, when Red's lying yeah, on the so. bench, and he comes in and sees and he sees Red, <laughs> and that and that song is playing for a very short period.
1: <laughs> oh, see that's that's why this this that's why this whole thing is this whole soundtrack series is awesome because I haven't heard that song in so long, but as soon as you played it, i kind of
0: the scene came to me which is weird so it does it makes a huge difference the musical well that's the thing and that's what music does and those songs you're right they send you exactly back to where to where it was but now do you know who it was by uh, Oh, the voice Eric Clapton yep, you got it you got it he's got a he's got a pretty distinguishable voice it's awesome yeah 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 yeah. no 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 um so so eric clapton very very good eric clapton lindsey Buckingham, some big big names on this very big names Mm. on this album um now obviously the signature track which is our soundtrack theme is the power of love The band's first song to hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100, and it was also nominated for an Academy Award. Um, now we know that Huey Lewis was the high school band judge, and he rejects the uh, pinheads, as we've said already. <laughs> but uh, um, it almost didn't happen. I read online actually. Uh, Zemeckis in an interview said that they'd just written a movie, and the lead character's Mar- the lead character Marty McFly's favorite band was going to be Huey Lewis in the news. And a bit of movie trivia, actually. If you look in the scene, remember the scene when he wakes up that we just talked about where we have Lindsay Buckingham on the uh, radio. Yeah. If you look closely in his room, he actually has a poster uh, of their album sports. So their, their album at the, around the time was called sports and there's a Huey Lewis and the news poster in Marty's bedroom in that scene. Um, so I, think, mm. so I think that adds another layer. Now that we know that his favorite band was actually Hugh Lewis and the News, makes sense why they played the song for the Pinheads, and it also makes it extra special that uh, that he was that audition judge as well.
1: Mm. I mean, the power of love, like in terms of, in terms of a track, like it just continues to get played on the radio now. Like you hear it all the time. Yeah, it's a it's an awesome song. It's it kicks off so nicely. It's just, you've got an awesome. Uh, Uplifting tone at the start of the song, it just continues all all the way through the song. What a way to kick off the movie!
0: And it's It's an awesome intro. Such a great uh, part when he when he. uh, Do you know the what's the the line in the movie that Marty says just before the song is played? Oh, I'm going to be late for school. Um, Yeah, I think it's just I'm late for school. (laughs) <laughs> and now each week we're going to be like on soundtrack. Ding, 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 ding. Um, <laughs> so anyway, so so Huey Lewis had a meeting with with uh, the producers, and they said to him, "Would you write a song for the film?" He said that he said to them, "I'm flattered, but I don't know how to write for a film." Plus, he also didn't fancy writing a song called "Back to the Future," which he thought would would have to be the name of it. But then Rob Zemeckis assured him that. Mm. Um, that he could come up with any song title he wanted, and then Lewis changed his tune after that. Um, Lou, Huey Lewis said that I told Bob Zemeckis the next thing I wrote I'd send to him, um, and so he wrote Power of Love. He'd not read the script or seen the film before he'd actually written it, um, and he used it, it. they used it perfectly. He didn't think it was going to work, um, but to their credit, he says it, it did, and we now know that it that worked very well. So he hadn't even read the script or seen the film, so... There you go, but it just just meant to be, I guess. Um, now having him as the judge was actually the, the director's idea. He thought it would be cool, um, and he actually said at the time, "If we had any guts, we'd put you in." Huey Lewis resisted, but then agreed if he was uncredited and disguised, he would do it. And that was kind of a bit of an in joke for, for the people working on the movie, which is which is pretty cool. And and obviously, eagle eyed fans spotted it uh, almost straight away, I guess. Um, and he also says in the interview that we had a lot of hits before that, but The Power of Love was their first international hit. It was released before the film um, and the song was actually number one when the movie came out, which means that we probably put it out there about a month before that because in those ga- those days it took a really long time to break a new song. He said it was huge for the, for them and they started to tour Asia and Europe and everything all because of The Power of Love. So it really skyrocketed Huey Lewis and the News to, to new heights. Um, which is, which is, you know, to be expected with a song so good. But he obviously went back and made uh,
1: a song for the movie, that, but not Back to the Future, he made Back in Time, right?
0: Yeah, that's right. And that's heard in the final credits. Um, and that was another song that they wrote especially for, for the movie. And I'll play a little bit of that song right now. So there you go, Mick, another Huey and the News classic that we all love from the end of the film. I think as well, used in the credits was brilliant because remember at the end of the film, we're talking about going into the future. He comes and sees the original Jennifer and Marty saying that something's got to be done about their kids. The original uh, Jennifer obviously being Claudia Wells and then was changed in two and three to Elizabeth Shue. Um, but I really think that that song is perfect when they, when they – the line before the end of the movie, you know, roads, where we're we going, we don't need roads. And then. <laughs> it just gets you excited for the next movie and gets you excited about everything you've just seen and, and try and process everything that's happened in the movie. Um, all right. Now, Mick, oh, I, know you, I know you love some extra little bits and pieces and I did a bit of digging today, and you're going to love this. There are actually five songs that don't actually feature on the soundtrack but were in the movie. you excited about this? Okay. I'm
1: very excited, and I think I already have one in my head right
0: okay, now. You've probably got one, so just hold that there for the moment. I want you to tell me. I'm hoping that this will work. It probably will. That's okay. I, um, I would like you to tell me where... These songs were found in the movie. So this one first first one's from um, uh, John Philip Sousa, and it's called "The Washington Post." Here we go. Oh, I
1: know this one.
0: What do you think? Now
1: that's that's got to be when. The mayor's car goes past and they're in the mm-hmm. and they're in the diner. Mm-hmm. Elect Mayor Wilson or something.
0: Uh, no, Mayor Red Thomas. <laughs> Mayor Red Thomas. Okay, right, our, see? Our, oh. our bum, our resident bum.
1: <laughs> okay, but I got the scene right. I just you got, got my, it, one. yeah, 100%. It's yeah, one from once.
0: Absolutely. Okay, let me give you a little bit of an easier one. Ready? Here we go. Here we go, get excited for this.
1: An easy one. Marty McFly, when he first arrives in 1955, he's stumbling around. Yep. And he walks past a, a petrol station and all that sort of stuff. Yep, yeah, absolutely. That's completely taken me straight to that team.
0: That's yeah. brilliant. And that, that was actually seamlessly transitioned into a part of the movie score, if you remember. It goes from Sandman and it starts to get this kind of dark kind of overtones in the score that makes that song kind of quite creepy because – uh, Marty's obviously ah that's song, right and it kind of it sort of drowns out yeah Sanders, it kind of blends Mr. out Sanders. and then the score comes in with a bit of a, a bit of a kind of ominous ominous kind of score that comes yep. behind that, to that make him think okay uh, we're not in Kansas anymore uh, uh, Doc anyway um, so next one let's see if you okay. let's see if you recognize this one okay ready we're close we're close to the scene that you've just talked about Born on a top in Tennessee,
1: green estate in the land of the free. Raised in the woods so he knew every tree, killed him a bar when he was only three. Davy, Davy Crockett, king of the wild frontier.
0: What do you think? No idea. I'm, I'm drawing blanks here, <laughs> yeah, mate. Drawing blanks. Well, remember I told you when he goes into the cafe, um, <clears throat> sorry, with George trying to get him to talk to Lorraine and we were hearing The Wallflower by Etta James. Well, when he first goes yeah. into the cafe and he wants to make a phone call, that's the song he Ah. Heard. Yeah. No. I, I haven't. For some reason, my brain hasn't intercepted that one. Have a look at that. And when he when he walks in, you'll hear it very lightly on the radio when he walks in and he asks for a Pepsi free and then he asks for a tab. And, and uh, the guy is very, very good, <laughs> Very, very good. And humor. he asks
1: him something about being in the navy because he's wearing a life preserver
0: what happened kid you jumped ship (laughs) now the next one let's see how you go with this this one might be a little bit easier actually because it's not it's actually quite prominent in the film it's not in the background so and i think you'll really enjoy this one you ready yep here we go
1: That's when Marty McFly is um, has plugged the earphones on George and is coming to him in his dreams, telling him to he needs to ask out Lorraine. Oh, he'll
0: melt his brain. (laughs) That's exactly right. And does do you know? Do you remember what he calls himself? Who is he? Darth Vader from the planet. From the planet Krypton. (laughs) vulcan no vulcan 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 that's right yeah now the last one is really really obscure if any listeners out there know this before i tell you then you are you are you'd know the movie 10 times better than we would here we go It's a really, really nice song. It's a lovely song. But I can't good. place it. It's Johnny Ace Pledging Love. <clears throat> <clears throat> Johnny Ace singing Pledging mm-hmm. Love. I actually, when I read about where this was in the movie, I actually didn't believe it, so I went and rewatched the scene and you really can't hear it that well, but it, it is in there. There is, you, you can just hear it very faintly and it's actually played in the car when Lorraine and Marty arrive at the enchantment under the sea dance and they're talking about almost 18 marty it's not like i haven't parked before
1: (laughs) and and like looking back at that scene now that is the weirdest scene ever but at the time probably didn't feel so weird now it feels completely and utterly off the
0: charts (laughs) but anyway Anyway, that's okay. We won't talk about that. But uh, yeah, so there we go. It was on the radio when they were when they were sitting in the car. So that that that's the high distinction stuff right there. If you know anything about that, then that is that's some serious yeah. fandom. I'll tell you what. Yeah, if you got that, that's amazing. Well done to you. Well done to you. All right, well Mick, that's that's all I've I've got for music facts. I hope you enjoyed some of those things. I think I think I I, I gave you oh, a few little bits of pieces that you may not have known before. That's good.
1: Absolutely, and I'm in the mood to go back and watch Back to the Future again right now. It's bringing me um, back to that movie again.
0: Well, I think that's exactly what Soundtrack's going to do for a lot of listeners. I think they're going to be hearing these songs and going, really, that song was in the film? I don't remember that because I'm sure there are a lot of movies that probably have very famous and well-known songs somewhere in the film, but you may not actually notice that they're there. That they're there. So mm. I think that there will be a lot of listeners that want to rewatch movies that we go through, see where those songs are and really tune into the music in the background rather than just having it as, as something in the scene that you don't quite notice. They'll really tune in, I think, a little bit more, which is, which is great. Yeah, for sure um so before we finish up i think it's a good reminder
1: to ask our listeners to tweet or email us their uh requests for films they want us to cover as we said at the start we can literally rattle through a stack of movies ourselves but it'd be even better to um you know appease you guys and and do the ones that you want us to do and Maybe we might even stumble on a movie we haven't seen. It will force us to watch it, which would be awesome to
0: watch something new. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, So that email is soundtrackpod at gmail.com. And as I said earlier, the Twitter feed is at Soundtrack Guys. Follow us on Twitter and subscribe to this podcast wherever you get it. Make sure you don't miss an episode. And, um, yeah, Mick, it's a pleasure as always.
1: Liam, absolutely. Good to chat to you, mate. Can't wait for the next one.
0: We will see each other next time. And listeners, we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Soundtrack. We're going to leave you with another fantastic song from Back to the Future.